You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So... I don't have to tell you that a lot of stuff changes as we work our way through this menopausal transition. But one thing I honestly don't think it's talked enough about is injury. Specifically, and I know many of you will relate, how it can be harder to keep quote unquote overuse injuries like plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis and all those other itises at bay. Research is only beginning to uncover how our sex hormones keep our muscles and connective tissues healthy and resilient, and how the menopausal transition can increase the risk for these types of injuries. So I was over the moon to talk to physiotherapist Claire Callahan, who is a goldmine of knowledge on this topic this week. Claire has been a chartered physiotherapist for over 25 years. And women's musculoskeletal health is her life's passion, and man, it shows. I'm not going to spend much time talking here because this conversation covers a lot of ground, and I want to get right to it. You can learn more about her at clairecallahan.com. But before we get to it, little weekly reminder, as always, please check us out on social media. You can find our communities at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. You can join us on our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group, where you can come in and join our conversations about all things menopause. And if you want a deep dive into all things active menopausal living, we've got the Feisty Menopause Membership, where we offer in-depth materials, expert webinars, and offer sponsored discounts. You can learn all about that at feistymenopause.com. Remember, I have an email, so if you have ideas for guests or want to drop me a line, you can do so at hitplaynotpause at livefeisty.com. And finally, keep on keeping on. Keep sharing the show on your socials, follow or subscribe on your podcast platforms, and give us a good ratings by hitting those hearts or five stars. It really makes a difference. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a really quick word from our generous and awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Hit Play, Not Pause is proud to be sponsored by Noon Hydration in 2021. I have been a huge fan of Noon for well over a decade. They have products for immunity, recovery, getting a good night's rest, and I absolutely swear by their Podium series, which include branched-chain amino acids that are super important for women during and after menopause. So show your support and head over to noonlife.com. That's noon, N-U-U-N, life, one word. And use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, again, one word, with a capital F and a capital M, for 30%, yes, 30% off of all of Noon's amazing products. Again, noonlife.com, use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE with a capital F and a capital M and get 30% off of anything you want. Check it out. Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need and track my recovery, sleep and progress. 
So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out of whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah. All while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out, all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests. And their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. So go to insidetracker.com slash feistymenopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's insidetracker.com slash feistymenopause. I can tell you, it works. So thank you again, Claire. Thank you. Oh, for pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. It's, it's um, yeah. this is something, oh boy, it comes up a lot. Like we have a lot of social media channels and we have a lot, we have a membership and uh, especially among the runners in the group, you know, physiotherapy issues, soft tissue injury, muscle, muscle, all of it comes up an awful lot. And, you know, honestly, I get a real sense that some women feel kind of hopeless at this at this point, you know, that they seem to be in this cycle of injury that is new to them and, and is frustrating. So our goal hopefully is to give them some hope <laughs> by, the, yeah. by the end of this conversation. Yeah. I think there is hope. So that's okay. good. Yeah, that's good. Cause if you said no, we might just cut it really short. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a short podcast. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I know you have written and presented. I followed some of your work on this. I'm mm-hmm. mostly interested in what what the audience can do to avoid injuries that become more common during this time and maintain muscle connective tissue strength bone strength resilience you know all that stuff i know that's a giant question but maybe just speak broadly to what you see and and what some of the overarching issues are at this time right so the big themes really are that um you're looking at a change in the hormones, of course, with the estrogen dropping and the change in testosterone levels as well. Um, and that's going to affect your bone turnover, the the ways that your muscles and potentially, we think, how your tendons and ligaments also may respond to injury. Um, like many areas of women's physical activity and sport and you know, women's health. There's a there is a lack of research, sadly. So we can't speak as definitively. We hear as we that like. again and again. Yep. I <laughs> yeah, I bet that's a common theme. Um, but in terms of the broad, overarching theme of what can you do to help yourself, um, you know, in your twenties and thirties, you can kind of get away with not doing as much strength work and kind of just getting on with the task at hand. Be that jumping on the bike and doing what you need to do with you know cycling or or running or whatever sport it is whereas um 
unfortunately, as we get a little bit older, the strengthening alongside your regular training just becomes such a key issue and something that you've just got to really build into your week. So um, in terms of how often, because this is a question I often get asked, mm-hmm. um, you okay. know, you're looking at, you're looking at a, two strengthening sessions a week. Okay. Can you get uh, away with one in season? You know, that's a question people ask. Yeah. I've seen different studies on that and it's usually in a younger population. When you're getting, so say, say you're preparing for a marathon, you know, a really big deal. So you're doing these super long runs towards the peak of your training. Um, you would, you might find that in those weeks that you're not doing as much strength training. So you might want to be tempted to get away with one. What I would say is the second one could be quite a light strength training. It might not be formally going into the gym, doing, you know, your really heavy weights or your, you know, um, your deadlifts or anything, you know, seriously right, heavy. Right. But you might still do a bit of core strength work. So you might still do a little bit of abdominals. You might still do a Pilates session. It doesn't have to be hardcore. Yeah. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So, and I mean, I'm saying this number two, that comes from the physical activity guidelines that we have here in the UK that is recommended for all adults, you know, mm-hmm, over 19. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying too, from that point of view, but as you say, there's different studies recommending different things. So strength is one key area. The other key area uh, that we don't always think about is working on your balance and proprioceptive control. Um, because sadly, as we get older, that declines as well. Mm-hmm. And over here in the UK, we've that's just been incorporated for the first time in our physical activity guidelines. And I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is really interesting. Tangent. Like I, during the pandemic, I picked up stand up paddle boarding because I just wanted something else to do. And let me tell you, like my, I felt like it helped my Mm. cycling. And part of it was some of that, like my feet got so alive you know because mm, you're sort of gripping yeah. the board and balancing and it's very proprioceptive while it's incredibly enjoyable perfect and, for that and i and i remember when i i was million years ago writing for prevention magazine they did a study on older adults and falling you know and they had mm. it, it was, it was in, i think in japan where they had them stand on mats that activated the nerves in their feet you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's some, mm-hmm. some sort of vibrating or some mat and it it prevented falling and it's a lot of what yeah. you're, I think those sensors in your feet um, have a lot to do with that. Absolutely. You're getting that extra input and um, it's just, you know, that mind body connection, setting up those, um, those neural pathways to be really reactive is really important. When you um, think appropriate work, what do you think of? Like what, what would. Well, check if you're that looking at it really from its basic, most basic level, if you're looking at, first of all, in a static position, mm-hmm. you're looking at just simply standing, everything from simply standing on one leg to and shutting your eyes, for example. It can be as simple as that, all the way through to using balance boards, doing, as you say, really dynamic stuff like paddle boarding would be a great example of let's make it fun, let's make it a sport, and let's do it. Or surfing would be another one where you're really activating that at its highest level. But it could be something as simple as going for a walk on the beach when you're not used to walking on sand, you know, um, changing your environment, doing a bit of trail running when you're used to running on roads or at a track. It can be as small as standing on one leg or as dynamic as some of that, that type of stuff. So, yeah, 
it's really the challenge of the balance. And I mean, you know, when you when you see kids in a in a playground and they're learning to balance, they're learning to walk, and they've got you know a, a board, a, a plank where they're learning to walk on a plank or gymnasts yeah. walking on a plank. You know, that's training all your proprioception. So we do it with kids, but then we kind of as adults kind of put it to one side. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's a good time to revisit it in midlife because sadly, a lot of those things that we take for granted. If you're not challenging it, it, it sort of dies off. And that's been, you know, and it has a huge link with with um with regards to um to injury. And then finally I'd say training as well, because um training error does account for a really significant amount of injury as well. And when so, you say that, what do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is um something we've all done. Do, doing too much too quickly it's a beautiful spring day i'm going out now exactly I, 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 I might run 10 miles i haven't run 10 miles in a long time but that's that's okay right yeah and we all have days where we feel yeah. amazing and you want to capitalize that and days where you're just dipping and you're not even sure why so it's it's really planning uh, your training and i think the pressures on women in this time of life mean that they kind of feel like oh, wow, I've got a free window. I better make the most of it. I've absolutely got to go for it today because tomorrow I'm not going to be able to do it. Whereas when you're younger, it's like time is this slightly longer thing sometimes. So it's really planning out your training and being quite disciplined with that and also accepting that the training plan that might have worked in your 20s, maybe it's not going to work now. You know, you're not getting as, you mightn't be sleeping as well. Other things might be taking over. You might be more fatigued. Your hormones may be changing quite dramatically. Um, so, and and being aware of that and planning for that. And, it, and I don't want to say accepting it because none of us want to accept it as such. Um, we all want to do what we can to, to be at our best, but, but kind of going with it a little bit and planning around that. So they're the things that I would say are, are really fundamental at this point. Along with what you just said about the training, I, I get questions mm -hmm. and I and I have sort of toyed around myself, but it's 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 far less convenient in our Sunday through Sunday life. Um, you know, I hear a lot about 10 day training cycles this time of yes. Um, yeah. which intuitively makes a lot of sense, right? Because maybe especially if you're talking about big things, Ironman triathlon training. Mm, marathon absolutely. training you know where maybe you can't hit that quality very long day every weekend at like mm. at this point but I mean have you thought about the or is that yeah that I think it's a really interesting concept because um and I also think it makes a lot of sense and not only just from training but from a life perspective you know you kind of have to build up to things over a period of time and um yeah our lives are so different day to day. I think you can sort of have, you need a, you need to fit in the rest days as well, of course. And so it's kind of like, it's where does your rest day fall? Are you, so, you know, and, and it's going to be so different for each of us. But, yeah, I think a 10-day cycle does sound, it makes a lot of sense. I sort of almost think monthly, really, these days in terms of where, I'm where things at, are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In terms of where things are. Um, I do try when I sit down with a patient, I get an idea of their week and then I get an idea of their month. And then I ask them, like, what are you what's your year looking like? Even like, have you got because some people will want to go hardcore all the time and some people are sort of 
all the way up and then crash and burn. And of course, what we'd like ideally is to, for most of us, to, to level that out a bit with natural peaks. Well, you'll have some peaks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And depending. then natural periods mm. where after that you're going to dip a bit, but you don't mm. want to drop off completely. So I tend to look at, at you know, short term, medium, long term. And I think thinking about things in 10 days or even monthly cycles is, is sensible. Yeah. So, as far as the strength training component of that, are you, because, women at this point, you know, need that, that anabolic stimulation, you know, more, more so. Um, so are you, are you seeing like that being more or less consistent throughout the year? hundred percent. Um, I yeah. think you are getting, you are going to sort of need, need to train more at certain times. So for example, if you're looking at Again, the marathon example is good because it's kind of like that gradual peak. But if you're looking at that, you're going to do more of your strength training earlier on um, and then you can let do different type of strength training towards the, you know, towards the more intense running, high volume running right, phase. Right, right. And, and As that, a cyclist, I understand yeah, that yeah. intimately. And, and yeah. exactly, cycling the same. If you've got high volume training or peak, um, you know, you could get a tennis player, you know, when you've got lots of tournaments, that might be when you're doing your peak of your strength training. But when you're slight, you know, when you're in more of a preparatory phase, that's when you do your, would do your heaviest stuff. Right. Um, so that's how I tend to see it. Um, going forward from that, um, I think it, it becomes more and more important at this, at this stage really to try and fit that in. Yeah. Um, and that's that's from an injury pre- prevention perspective. Said, as it's well. from an injury yeah. prevention perspective, but it's also a performance perspective yeah, as yeah. well. Because um, what you want to be, I mean, at the end of the day, that's probably what is going to make you motivated and feel good is, is that performance. Um, so, yeah, injury prevention, performance, injury recurrence, and, uh, you know, is really important as well. It does prevent that, those, the recurrence of injuries. And if we think about the longevity of how long women want to keep active for, I mean, you know, we want to keep this whole thing going. You know, you go to you go to events these days and, you know, you're not seeing 20, 30-year-olds only by any stretch. You're seeing older women all the time. It's brilliant. So it will keep you going for longer as well, which I oh, think sure. is what we all want. Yeah. 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 So let's talk, let's go a little bit um, deeper into those, into those connective tissues, because they seem so sure. problematic. <laughs> like what, yeah. you know, what is going, what is happening? And what, um, what is what does tissue care look like? You know, what is, okay. what is, you know, are we foam so, rolling? Am I taking a gun and like banging into my, like, you know, one of those, <laughs> like, <laughs> like into my mouth? Like, it's a real, it that's like? a really good question because, okay, so let's talk it through about east, starting with estrogen and what effect it has in the bones and the muscles. So there's estrogen receptors in all different parts of our body. So if we're thinking about the bone and bony recovery and the connective tissue obviously pulling on the bone, we want strong bones. So the estrogen is obviously driving that regeneration process within the bone, the breakdown and the buildup. So when we lose that um, that ability to do that so easily, we can lose up to 20% of our bone mass um, in the first five to seven years postmenopause, so much. That's don't, so much. Yeah, if we don't take these active steps. Yeah. So then you're thinking, well, the connective tissues being your ligaments and your tendons and all the fascia. Ligaments connect- are bone to bone. 
that's it. Ligaments, mm-hmm. bone to bone, tendon, muscle to bone. Yep. And then you've got um, sort of these big strips of, of fascia. And by that, I mean, you know, when you know where you get the meat and you see that big white bit of, <laughs> yeah. bit of stuff, yes. that's all your connective tissue. Yes. And that's got to I don't think people think about that soon. as connective tissue though, right? I, felt, no. I think fa- fascia no. gets left out and some people are actually like, Oh, that's a little woo-woo, which it a hundred percent is not. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. and um, yeah, it's a whole whole topic on its own, which yeah, right, well, yeah. So, um, but all basically, these tissues are made up. You know, the the tendons, the ligaments, and some of this sort of fascial tissue is made up of um a number of components, but the key ones being you know collagen and elastin. So the collagen keeps it nice and strong. The elastin, as the name would suggest, keeps it, keeps it nice and mobile. So what you don't want, obviously, is like an elastic band that's overstretched. You want to, you know, you want a bit of strength there, and you want to retain that elasticity. Now we don't know exactly how the drop in estrogen affects that, but we do know that estrogen has a positive effect on the connective tissue health when you're younger and when you're getting this estrogen input. See, so if you're not replacing that estrogen, i.e., with HRT, which is obviously a whole other topic, you know, but if your estrogen is declining, then your ability to regenerate these tissues we think may be affected. So, for example, in midlife, what we often see is women presenting with more Achilles issues or maybe some plantar fascia issues, pain Mm -hmm. in their heels, Mm -hmm. that pain on the outside of the hip and the bottom, Mm -hmm. super common, really, really common. And we don't exactly know why it's happening more in this age group, but it would be it would be sensible to look at the connective tissue health and think that there could be a link that needs to be researched more. Um, and what we do know is obviously that strengthening in general, especially weight-bearing strengthening, is particularly useful for these tendons. So that is what you also want to be looking at in this population is strengthening is one thing, but doing it with your feet on the ground, like like what you were saying about the paddleboarding. I mean, that's brilliant. You're doing rotational work. You've got your feet there. You've got to stimulate your balance. Um, you're working against the resistance of the water. I mean, that's that's kind of like got it all. So it's these type of activities, and you're on your feet. You're wearing weight. So that's a perfect example of a weight-bearing activity that would be strengthening. Okay, and actually things like rackets, you know, if if people are looking for something a bit different, you know, racket sports, ball sports, they actually do a lot of this strengthening of of that type of tissue as well. So that's what's happening. Because it's multidimensional. I mean, everything you just mentioned there is a little as opposed to running or I mean, I know cycling's not weight weight bearing, Mm. but um, running is a little less Mm. multidimensional. We think so. Again, it needs more research. And um, over here in the UK, the physical activity guidelines have only for the first time looked, you know, actually stated and said, right, we've looked at, you know, numerous papers. And what we found is that these sports have a positive effect on bone. These sports we know have a better effect on balance right. and so right. on. Right. So that's where this information comes from. So, um, but in terms of why would those sports be better, you would think the multidirectional nature would feed into that and be part of that. And it, it does need to be explored. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And that and that is um, bone and connective tissue. Yeah. But so bone and connective tissue. Yeah. 
they sort of tick all the boxes, if you like, those multi-directional sports, whereas things like running is obviously fantastic for, you know, keeping up the springiness in your tissues and the bone, but it's not it's not as good at things like balance because literally you're right. putting one foot in right. front of the other, aren't you? I mean, you're not having to look around. You're Unless it's trail position. running, which is a little more dynamic. Trail, different, absolutely. Um, yeah. And one of the reasons I love trail running Me is too. because of that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the many, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> that, I love, that I love that yeah. more. So, yeah. what what makes, you know, you talked about the elastin, like the, the the how the quality that we want our connective tissues to be, and we we obviously don't want it to be like dried out Turkish taffy, right? That just yeah. you know, like brittle, <laughs> like so. Love it, yeah. So, like, I get tons and tons of questions about collagen supplements, and I stay in my lane. I, you know, I try to look at research and stuff, mm. but I haven't, I haven't. I haven't found what I consider conclusive on collagen supplements. What what are your thoughts on collagen supplements? Yeah, so I work quite closely with a nutritionist and dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually do you know events and workshops around you know menopausal change and what you can do from physical activity and dietary perspective. And so I can only go on the evidence that she presents. Right. And as far as I know, there's nothing conclusive. Okay. That I'm aware of. Yeah, I'm a pretty good digger and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Um, But people, you know, people will naturally look around for solutions because it also affects the pelvic floor as well. You know, although that is all connective tissue. So, um, and we know that that there's thought to be, um, you know, a a more negative effect on that control as well and, and that support that we get which literally supports our organs, you know, that holds everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a big topic. Um, it needs more research. In terms of supplementation, we don't really know. Um, what we do know is, uh, and I, when I'm, we're doing these talks, my colleague uh, Sue comes at it from a slightly different perspective is, and she sort of says, well, we know that some foods are more pro-inflammatory alcohol for example so it may be more about reducing anything that's pro-inflammatory in our lives and to keep our tissues wider, healthy yeah more wider mm-hmm. things like we know sleep is great for inflammation for example so yeah. it's more of what can we do with regards to that um because we don't have a magic bullet no for sure i'm, I'm wondering if dietarily mm-hmm. there are known entities for helping nourish so to speak connective Mm. healthy connective tissue yeah um Um, and i think yeah that's probably one for you know is protein part of that picture yeah so she sort of talks a little bit about um protein and the importance of protein particularly post exercise um you know of getting you know some protein and some carbs in post exercise in that in a magic window of sort of 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and there is, you know, there are some some papers around soy and things like hot flushes, which clearly affect exercising women and their ability to sort of do the exercise in the first place. But um, in terms of our actual tissues, it really comes down to um, what we do know is, is more around bone health and, you know, calcium, vitamin D, you know, that, that has that positive effect on bone. And in fact, I think, you know, some of us will be sort of mums of girls and teens as well. And and really, once you've hit that peak bone mass in your late 20s, early 30s, that's your peak. But it's about 
getting that strength there in the first place. So I'm getting well, that and low energy there. availability is a huge well, problem across the board, right? Absolutely. That's a whole other area that is just, yeah, so important, I think. And by that, we mean eating well. enough ladies to support your activity, which I yeah, know many because, of you don't. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing yeah. how when you do do a, tra- a really long trail run and you do have the nice snacks on the way, how much better you feel. How I much mean- better you feel, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's it like, is amazing. I tried to- Like I'm not dying. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's, it's funny. I've learned that when I start internally saying that I suck, that I really just <laughs> need food. Do you know yeah. when the voices are piping up and like, oh, maybe you're done. Maybe you're yeah. washed up. Yeah. Maybe you just need a snack. <laughs> and yeah. It's like, wow, look how much better I feel. It's amazing what a few nuts and sultanas can do, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I had a, I talked to a nutritionist on yesterday, actually, she, the show will be out next week. And, you know, that, that was the huge topic of conversation is just fueling the activity, fueling the activity, fueling the activity. Um, Cause otherwise you break down. Yeah. No question. And and all of that is going to clearly have a positive effect on your um, on your ability to, to avoid injury or recover from injury. And one other thing that we do talk a little bit about when we're talking about um, menopause for active women and thinking about diet is if you're fueling yourself properly, you're probably making better decisions. So, for example, mm. say you're in a race, you're in that final few kilometres, if your energy levels are really low, then you're going to put, rather than think, thinking, you know, maybe I'm at my limit and I'm just going to get to the end and it's not going to be a day for a PB, you might make, a, you know, your susceptibility to making that incorrect decision of, or I don't want to say incorrect, that decision that may increase your chance of being injured, basically, right, of pushing right. yourself that fir- bit further, you know, the poor de- the link between poor decision-making um, during events and injuries is so high, you know. And your so, brain needs glucose, right? Yeah, the your first brain thing. needs, yeah. absolutely, your brain needs that glucose to kind of go, maybe today's not the day for the PB, maybe today's a day where I finish it and I feel good and I'm not injured so that I can be better for that race I've got in a month, you know. So that's another huge area where nutrition is important is in the decision-making and then linking indirectly to injury that way. It's a really great point, which to your point, I think gets overlooked. Like, yeah, it is by all of us. Yeah. 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 So we, we talked a bunch about endurance sports, but I want to make sure that I don't overlook the the women in the crowd who do um, a lot of Mm -hmm. CrossFit training or a lot of strength training. You know, that's, it's very, it's very popular and it's awesome, but also, uh, I imagine has its own set of concerns, uh, mm-hmm. issues regarding all these things that we're talking about regarding tissue health, especially connective yeah. tissue. Um, what are your global thoughts of, about that? So the same principles still apply for sure mm-hmm. about needing to do the strength work behind it. Um, if you're talking about um with regards to sort of the shorter terms, you know, not needing to last for as long, for example, um, you're still going to need, you know, for some of those activities, you need quite a lot of power. Yes. And when you're needing a lot of power, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the tendons because that's connecting that muscle to bone. So you're talking about that quick fire activity. And what we know about um, menopause um, is this, there are some interesting stu- a couple of interesting studies actually that do show that menopausal status 
um, has a link with power, i.e. that as you move through the menopause, your ability to generate power does potentially reduce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't know the mechanism. Contractile strength too, right? That contra- that, yeah. yeah, so if you think about power in its purest form, so power is your ability to generate that quick active, you know, quick um, response, quick amount of strength over a short duration of time. Yep. So, for example, doing a quick lift above your head or doing a tennis serve where you're powering it down, you're going quick, right? So that does reduce according to menopausal status. The good news, the silver lining, is that the better you were before beforehand, the better you'll be later on, so as you move from, say, your 40s to your 50s. But equally, the more active you are, the better your ability to ge- generate power. And that also applies to vertical jump height as well. So your ability to jump is also linked to menopausal status. So it's it seems that we reduce, we have less ability to jump the high or, you know, bound upstairs or bound up the side of hills or whatever it is, which again would fit in with people who are doing those, some of those um, more shorter activities you know i.e under an hour or doing crossfit or whatever right or jumping onto boxes or certain i love classes. box jumps yeah exactly so box jumps is a classic example mm-hmm. but again if you're in the practice of doing box jumps you're going to be better than if you hadn't been and that and that's what it sh- that's what the research bears out so i think there's a couple of points in there first of all keep doing what you're doing keep it up it's doing you good. And if you stop doing it, you're probably not going to be as good at it. Um, so that's common sense. And the second thing is we don't, it doesn't seem that we can tease out what is age and what is menopause. And that's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty difficult thing to research, isn't it? But we know that there are studies done. There's um, a particularly big one that's been done in Scandinavia that looks at this over, you know, nearly 900 women. And it seems that even independent of age, if you're just looking at menopause per se, because obviously menopause can come on at different ages, if you're just talking about it's the menopausal status that is the driver yeah. for this vertical jump height and the power. So It makes sense when you yeah. think about what's happening with the hormones, right? Does. Like it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Of course it does. Um, as far as tissue health in those, pow- in those sort of more power sports, is there uh, – is, is, intuitively based on our conversation inflammation seems like something that you like because i mean people can definitely be in that into crossfit maybe overly into Mm. crossfit you know what i mean like yeah i I see people like maybe you shouldn't be doing that every day i don't yeah Yeah. rest days are important um you know even at the most elite level so i mean i've been fortunate enough to work you know with a wide variety of female orientated sports um and one, two groups that I've been really involved with were England hockey girls who went on to win the Olympic gold medal, which is just amazing, and some of the Team GB. Was that ice um, hockey or field hockey? No, that's field hockey. Yeah, oh, I love field yeah. hockey. Yeah. I used to so, play. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was that, amazing that I did this, ended up doing the physio for it because I was hopeless at it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but looking I after these girls the was sport. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, and then a a sport which I was slightly better at, which was running. So some, you know, again, Olympic marathon runners. And what I found quite amazing was that they had rest days. They had a rest day in a week. And when I say rest day, it wasn't like they're lying on the sofa completely, you know, just hanging Mm -hmm. out. 
but they're not far off that you know they they had genuinely that rest period um and the ones who didn't adhere to it were the ones who seemed to get injured and I always thought that's quite an interesting point so even at that level where they're doing the most amazing stuff they are incorporating that relative rest and I think you know for people who are doing these intense power sports you've got to remember that your your muscles will change you know you will get the muscle reaction you will get a slight breakdown and then a build up of tissues and you do need to allow that extra time for that to occur um so yeah that that's a, an important point i think and just thinking about muscle quality as well again it's a very under-researched area but i have seen a couple of papers which allude to the fact that it's not so much that the tissues um you know, we know that there's a slowing of the regeneration of tissues, obviously, as you get older, but it seems that the quality of the muscle, i.e. it's, again, I I don't like to use a meat analogy too much, but you know how you get a nice <laughs> bit of tender steak and it's like young tender steak and it yeah. looks amazing, or you get this bit that you just wouldn't put in, you know, this horrible, rashy yes. bit. Yes. That's the quality of the mm -hmm. muscle that you're seeing right there. So it's the quality that seems to be affected um, as we get older and go through menopause and we you want that to be good if you're doing you know if you're doing yeah. these these strong movements yeah so this is kind of a an ignorant question perhaps but it, I'm sure it's I've, not. I've, 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 <laughs> I've written about this so much that and it, it occurs to me so I do understand how bone you know breaks down the osteoclast and the osteoblast and the remodeling mm. and I understand that muscle tissue you get the little tears and they heal and you get, you know, stronger and all of that. But mm -hmm. what is going on with the connective tissue as far as like the regeneration? Oh, that's such a good question because we, we used to think we knew a bit more and now there's some later research that says <laughs> that kind go. of contradict. <laughs> so let's take the Achilles tendon as an example, okay. right? So the Achilles tendon, the big thick tendon that attaches your calf muscle to your heel, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you think about that tendon, they've done a lot of laboratory tests in terms of what happens in those tendons and how, how they break down and heal. Okay. Um, so, as you say, with bone, it's easy to imagine it, isn't it? You've got your osteoblasts driving this process, then the osteoclasts, they break down the bone and you get this constant cycle of regeneration. And with the muscles, you're getting a similar thing. With connective tissue, you do get some of that, but it doesn't happen in quite the same way, okay? So, um, and certainly in older people, we think that some of the reasons why um, you'll see people have, you know, problems with things like this Achilles tendon being the classic example as they get older is the ten the collagen seems to be thicker, uh, sorry, the tendon seems to sort of thicken up and stiffen up a bit as we get older and not have so much elastic recoil. And sometimes that process, we think, seems to stagnate. So you know where you get people, and I've certainly had plenty of patients like this, where they get an Achilles issue. And it just doesn't go away. Like it's kind of just stays there and they just kind of have to get on with it and they can still do their stuff, you know, their sport, but that springiness, their ability to I really keep band it. issues tend to be, tend to be problematic yes. that way. Too, yeah, they people. do. And sometimes even that, you know, the tendon at the front of the knee, similarly, yeah. we think sometimes the body's ability to get past this sort of impasse where it's just not, 
things are just not surging along and it just becomes like this chronic sort of breakdown but that but the impetus of the body to regenerate and to heal doesn't seem to be happening that does seem more common in um in older athletes and older mm-hmm. people but also mm-hmm. we think you know there may be you know with because e- you've got estrogen receptors in these tendons right. so if you're right. not getting the estrogen you know if you've not got as much estrogen then you're not getting what we feel are the positive effects that estrogen has on mm-hmm. this healing process. So it's a complicated area. We don't really know everything we there is to know about that, but that's it's something to to watch. And really, the the best thing we what we do know is that strengthening helps. And it used to be that it's more the muscle lengthening sort of stuff. So, for example, if you use the calf example, you know you're like a heel raise over like the step, eccentric contractions. Eccentric kind of contractions. Yeah. The, the research is starting to move slightly away from that and look a little bit at static contractions as well, which seem to have a benefit as well. So when you, uh, what do you mean by static? Like isometric? By static contra- yeah, isometric, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Because I, I had be, um, yeah. like the epicondylitis for like from actually yep. BMX kind of riding, like think, like from, you know, working my bars. Just that force, and, yeah. And the... um. The tennis bar that you kind of like twist and then it you resist against it yep. was was miraculous for it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's like a very slow isometric contraction sort of resisting on this thing. And it it worked amazingly well. Like I literally That's couldn't really pick up a jug of milk and then yeah. like within days it just like resolved. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And that's a classic example of just that just hold basically holding the contraction. So um, for example, as well, I had the same thing with my hamstring where I was just like getting recurrent, you know, hamstring right up where it inserts under the pelvis just, and then I went, um, and I was doing lots of eccentrics and, you know, you know, lots of the stuff that we would normally do. And, um, I went on a course with this guy who was apparently, and, and I think he seems to be an amazing tendon guru, um, and he was like, you should really try bending, lying on your tummy, bending your knee, just isometrically holding the contraction against the resistance of a, ther- a TheraBand or a elastified band, worked a treat. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I should have because the guy is a world-renowned researcher in hamstrings and he knows what he's talking about. I was like, and as you say, the change was quick for something that I'd had for quite a long time. So... And now the research is more and more starting to support this. So, for example, using that calf example, it would be rising up on those toes and holding the contraction for the count of 10, perhaps with some weights in your hand and then letting it go. You know, that type of thing seems to work. So um, so that's what we do know. And um, it makes sense to, to try and utilise some of these things that, that we're starting to discuss. For sure, because there's no, why not, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. While we're while we're talking on that issue, I, I, another thing that has come up a lot that I wanted to make sure we we cover is, um, and it is menopausal. This phenomenon, like a lot of women are just like they they're, they're in so much joint pain, like they they can barely do anything. Like it's it's just like this. They've never had joint pain Absolutely. unless like menopausal arthritis, almost like it's this very. Um, and I've seen some evidence that maybe that is not a bad case for someone to seek some menopausal hormone therapy but I I don't know if you have yeah well I have to say I see it in my patients as well and I certainly hear it from women when they come and talk you know we we do these menopausal talks as I say uh, said and 
you know, one will not pass without someone in the audience putting in the chat bar going, yeah, I've had horrendous joint pain. So it seems to be something that's coming up. The mechanisms of it are poorly understood. And we think there's some positive, uh, possible associations with reduced um, estrogen levels. Um, and that causal relationship's been noted in a lot of papers, but it's not a proven thing. But I think anecdotally, I see it all the time, you know. So, um, and it doesn't seem to necessarily just be, you know, it's not like you go off and get an X-ray and it's arthritis. It just seems to be generalised joint pain. Right, now, right. again, it could be that there's estrogen receptors in the joints and there's a change in the amount of estrogen in the body and therefore you could argue that maybe hormone replacement therapy may assist with this, but the mechanisms of how that works we don't fully understand. But that would be something, I mean, if I see people who, and I do, who are like that, I do, and they've sometimes got other symptoms that are really they're really struggling with and clearly that's affecting how where they're moving, their cardiovascular health, all of that musculoskeletal health, um, I will get them to have a chat with their GP about what options they can follow through with. And, of course, you know, one of those options, if it's one joint in particular, then clearly, you know, you'd want to get an X-ray of that and, and find out. But I do know what you mean. They're, this sort of multi-joint, generalised yeah, no, it sounds joint like, pain. Yeah. It, can, it sounds like it can be quite debilitating, like the, the people, women I've heard be, from. yes. Yeah. yeah. Are there, is there any literature on menopausal hormone therapy for any of this that we're talking about as far as connective tissue health or? Yeah, a lot of the hormone rep therapy, uh, hormone replacement therapy papers with regards to musculoskeletal health tend to focus on bone health. Okay. I don't know if it's because, I mean, I don't know, with research. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's very it. measurable. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you can put someone in a DEXA scan, see what their yep. bone density is, yeah. then give them some hormone replacement therapy. It's an easy, very, as, very as measurable. Study, it, yeah, very measurable. Oh, their bone density is a bit better. So, and we know we know that that works. So, yes, there's from a, from the bone perspective, there is from measuring how it affects other things. It doesn't seem to be so strong. The evidence that we have, um, anecdotally. Um, I've had patients who have been through that cycle of having joint pain, then they've gone on HRT, then they're feeling better. Um, and I've chatted um, a bit and listened to quite a lot of podcasts um, from a UK doctor called Louise Newson. And I don't know if you've heard of her. Yeah. So, um, and she, uh, I've sort of listened to quite a few podcasts that she, where she talks about this and read her blogs and chatted to her, asked her a few questions. And her theory on it seems to be that we haven't got the evidence that we'd like or we haven't got the studies that really look into this and, and they're much needed. But it's quite possible that the HRT is helping women sleep better. It's reducing that, that inflammatory cycle that is starting to ramp up in their bodies because they're lacking that estrogen and or even the, you know, they're more motivated to exercise or able to strengthen because they might have had some estrogen or testosterone in their hormone replacement therapy. So generally they're feeling better. Um, hopefully they're more able to even think about what they, you know, eat a bit better as well because they're just feeling better from the HLT, less, you know, less depression, you know, all the mental health 
um, aspects that can go along with it too. And therefore, because they're doing all these things that promote good activity, they're all more, they're all more able to engage in exercise and strength work and therefore their, their physical being is better. So right. that's kind of how she approaches it, which I think is a common sense approach right. completely in the mm-hmm. absence of evidence. But acknowledging, of course, that we want, you know. We yeah, no, that makes that yeah. makes a hundred percent sense. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, we'd love a study that says, you know, hormone replacement therapy has a positive effect on your ability to recover from musculoskeletal injuries in tendons, or you know, you know, helps muscle repair. But sadly, well, that's a lot of studies, yeah. Claire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are yeah. many that we're trying to trying to encourage. But people. yeah, I mean, if people are struggling, I do it. You know. I'm not pro against anything right, like right, that, but right. I definitely think exploring lifestyle changes, yep. Yep. exploring the diet changes and exploring things with your doctor, you know, it's, it's worth doing because it's all information. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're having a conversation, aren't you? You're raising, you're educating and you're being best informed to make the best decisions about your own body. I mean, I think that's what it's all about really. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about, um, flexibility and mobility because, yeah. you know, I mean, there's still people that toss their heel up on a park bench and, and lean into it before, you know, before they run, yeah. and, you know, are just like, we've all grew, especially like I grew up playing field hockey. Right. And we had yeah. like this whole uh, things I would never do now, you know, that we did, but we did. It. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I we did, did too. Playing netball or just stuff that we just did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but we're like, I've written about stretching literally since 1991. Mm. <laughs> you know, right. Okay. A long time. <laughs> a long time. And there's, as far as injury prevention, I've yet to see any like case mm. for what we have grown up to think of as stretching. That's right. Right. Yeah. Um, but yet clearly mobility is an important thing. Correct. So what, if, if I were coming to you as a multi-sport athlete who's mostly you know a mountain biker and and this and that like what do you tell your people to to do to maintain what you consider healthy mobility okay so the phrase i i mean i i hear it all the time of yeah because it's a hot word right now yeah maybe (laughs) i'm maybe i'm getting injured i know i need to stretch more you know that that line comes out all all the the time. time all the time and i'm with i agree with you i haven't seen any real evidence about how static stretching pre-exercise really helps us. That said, there is the odd person. I have seen one study that um, that I think really backs up where it might be useful, and that is in people who have had, say, an ankle fracture, and they know they've got a stiff ankle, and they find that if they stretch for a good 30 seconds really, really well on it, on the ankle repeatedly before they run and then do some dynamic mobility stuff, so some ankle circles and keeping it, you know, getting it, that they can run better. And there's probably an argument to say, well, they probably increase their range of movement in their ankle a few degree, a couple of degrees, and, and that probably does help them. So I think if you've had a really, if you've had a bony injury like that, there may be a case where static stretching might help you. But in, that's, that's kind of my only sort of 
time where I think it can really help. And I think the evidence supports that completely. It's where I would say it's useful pre-exercise to sort of do some dynamic work for sure, because that's getting, and I, as much as anything, it's getting you in the headspace. It's setting up those neural connections between, so for example, um, if you've got someone who's playing a sport like field hockey or, you know, women's football or whatever, um, you know, doing things like little, you know, running forward, doing a little sort of opening the gate movement where you're like lifting your leg up and bring it up, you know, bring your hip out to the side, that kind of, move, you know, it's warming the joints up. It's getting you, you running through your range of movement beforehand or, you know, some if you're running, you know, doing some hip swings, you know, to really get that hip flowing nicely into flexion and extension so you're, so you're able to take some lovely strides forward. I think there's definitely value in that. But I think it's got to be personalised. So the way I might warm up is probably going to be different from what you would do for a warm-up because our injury history is different, the range of movement's different. And I think it should be sport-specific as well. So um, if you're in a sport where, you know, using like a, a team sport like tennis or hockey where you're sort of moving in all different directions, um, you know, you're, you want to be warming up in different directions. You want to maybe do some lunges in, you know, around in a, you know, 360 degree circle because you're going to be lunging in different directions. Whereas if you're warming up for running, well, the play, you want to be running, you know, doing those strides. Strides, same for cycling, you know, you're thinking about that forward motion. So I think it needs to be really, you know, it's not just sort of going straight into it sports specific personally specific and in terms of cooling down it probably is fairly similar um you know that's that's kind of my basic principle um that i that i would go on for that are you a foam roller no (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) i don't know know, in my gut i had to ask the question because somehow i knew you were gonna say no (laughs) I, all these yeah. years of talking to people, I get like a little spidey sense. Yeah, you get a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. What am I? Are you against it? Ro- am I against it? What I would say, again, it's very personal. And I do I'm, kind and of I love think, my heated foam roller. Well, it's this. really interesting okay. because, see, so with my patients, what I tend to do is um, they'll come in and they'll say, I've been foam rollering this and it's working well. And if, if it's some big fleshy area, like it's the calf and they're muscular enough to take it, you know, they're not like, you know, a really low, you know, they've not got a low BMI. They've got enough, you know, tissue, soft tissue to take it. And yeah. they're only doing it for 30 to 60 seconds. They're not and bruising themselves or creating yeah, hematomas. <laughs> and they think it's the best thing since I spoke. Well, I kind of let that go, you know. Yeah. Um, so I... St- I would let that go. Whereas if it's like, I mean, and I do see this a little bit, women who've had prolonged IT band syndrome where it's down the side of the leg, it's around the knee, and they're doing it fairly religiously and they're saying it's not getting better and I'm on that foam roller for 20 minutes and I'm really giving it everything I've got and it's not getting better. I'm like, you're probably making it, it take to say it, but you could be sensitizing already really sensitive tissue. And if you take the load off it, then let's just see what happens. Right. And and that seems to be a fairly so it's it's how it's like all these things. It's how you use it. I mean, the fact that that's got heated in it, 
what you're mm, talking about it's delicious. that's got to be nice for circulation <laughs> so, so you know it's all it's it's different for different people i do like foam rollers in pilates when you're lying along the back of it and you're doing like right. extensive so stuff. it's along your start yeah spine or and, yeah. sometimes for thoracic mobility if you put it horizontally yep. and you're lying yep. on your back and you've got your yep. hands back Yep, yep, that's nice. I think that feels quite nice. Yeah. I think, you know, it's how long you use it for. But these people who are aggressively getting onto their IT bands and and smashing, because that's where you see it. It is where you see it. And also, I think this is a bit of a men and women thing, too. Like some guys have a lot lot of soft tissue, a lot of soft, a lot of bulk there that can kind of take that level of hammering. Some women, you know, just don't have much in the way of soft tissue between the skin and the bone. So if you're, you know, what is absorbing all that force? I think it's a great question. Yeah. yeah. Good point. So, yeah. Speaking so of hammering, Theragun or any of those. Yeah. Um, I first came across these when I was quite um, only a year or so out or two out of uni and they were using them a lot for, in chiropractic treatment. Um, it's never been something I've used or um, it's, I think it's person. I think again, it's personal. Like I don't, I'm not a loud noise person. I don't really like the sound of fireworks going on. <laughs> so the whole idea of like banging and going, you know, it's not for me. But you know, I think again, if people think, wow, it definitely works for me, then you know, go with right. it. But um, just be a- being aware that it's quite a big force to apply to a joint. Um, yes. And if you're applying that to a big joint that can take it then great but if you've if you've got a really sensitive spot on your neck and it's already really hypersensitized perhaps i don't think you should put that thing up there anyway i don't know yeah it just makes my neck hurt just thinking about it but yeah so i you know that's that's kind of where i stand and also i think you know physios chiros osteopaths we've all got so much to learn from each other you know i've never done the study behind it so i you know i don't really know at the end of the day yeah so excellent I could talk to you all day, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, it's just really fun. But have we, I, I have covered all that I have thought to ask is, have I not, is there anything that I haven't talked about or that, that you thought no, would I be think, good for this conversation? I think you've really run down a, a, across everything really well. The only other thing I'd add is um, that the silver lining, the nice bit of this is that keeping active is, is just so important. I think for, for this you know, age group of women. Um, and we know that it can be a difficult, stressful time of life independent of menopause, but also that menopause can have an effect on our mood as well. You know, this drop in estrogen can really affect how we're feeling. Um, and the great thing about exercise is, you know, lifts the mood. So um, anything we can do to try and help keep women going Um is really important and if you're having a day where you're thinking god i'm just not up to it today it's just not i'm not, not feeling it you know it's okay to have a have a day where you don't do as much where you don't push yourself to that absolute limit because hopefully the that day where you will be feeling better will come you know um and yeah just just going with what your body's telling you a little bit is also likely to help you not get injured <music> All right, that is our show. Join me next week when I sit down with badass track racer and longtime cyclists, Cheryl Osborne. 
I have known Cheryl for more than 20 years, and it was a real treat to hear how she's still in the game and going strong and inspiring others to do the same. She really does epitomize giving back in sport and in life. It was a great conversation. So tune in for that one next week. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.